Good morning. Um, I'm Professor Ward. I teach biblical studies. And we have the privilege today of having admitted students on campus. And I want to ask them to stand up. Beloved, I hope you caught that we are glad you're here, and we're excited about you joining us next fall uh, in our study and worship and work and play together in the Lord. So welcome to you and your families. Delighted to have you with us. If you have a Bible, open to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. Pay careful attention to the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from our God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it's right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Pray with me, please. Father God, we cry out to you as your people. And we pray that in these minutes that your spirit would work by and with the word, that we would continue to grow not only in love for you and for one another and for our neighbor, but that through the work of the spirit, we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we pray this in his mighty name. Amen. There was a snake coiled on my son's bed. Uh, we were living in Dar es Salaam. We had just brought the kids home from the international school, walked in the house, and we were met by the young lady that was doing some housekeeping, and she said, there's a snake down in David's room. So I went down the hall to investigate, and um, the good news was uh, it was on the bed, but David wasn't in the bed, so that was good. The bad news was that it was a green mamba. 
Uh, it had slithered in from a nearby tree that was close to the window through a gap in the mosquito gauze and was all curled up taking a nap. And all of a sudden, my heart began to pound, my mind began to race, and I totally lost my joy and my shalom, right? A green mamba. Nobody taught me to deal with this in seminary, right? I had no idea what I'm supposed to do. Thankfully, um, Maggie, our housekeeper, ran out and got Athmani, who was uh, a Yao tribesman from northern Malawi that was doing some gardening for us, and he knew exactly what to do. And Athmani came in, and he and the snake did battle. The snake lost. Uh, the room got destroyed, but it was all good. But it's always been a metaphor for me of those unexpected things that come into our lives. I call them chaos monsters, uh, after a book called The Revenge of the Chaos Monsters. Um, and they, they have a way of intruding into our lives. You, you don't expect them. If you expected them, you could prepare for them. But they just kind of come crashing in. Last week, uh, my wife ended up in the hospital unexpectedly. Uh, with a condition we didn't even know that she had. And it, again, made me lose my sense of shalom. And my heart was racing and my mind was bouncing off the walls. Until we began to focus in on the relentless goodness of the Lord. Beloved, Paul is writing in a context filled with chaos monsters, right? He's in prison. He's under house arrest. He is tethered to a Roman soldier as his guard. Just imagine if you were tied um, by a rope to your roommate for months on end. Okay, just picture that for a minute, right? Ten-foot lead. Uh, you do everything together. You're together 24-7. Um, even if you love the person, that would get old. And Paul's dealing with that. He's dealing with the uncertainty of the future. What's going to happen? He has an appeal before Caesar, and he has no idea what the outcome will be. I would have expected, if he were writing a letter or sending an email, that he would have been talking and complaining about those circumstances, and that's not at all what he does. Right? Paul instead begins to talk to the church at Philippi about having a heart of gratitude and a heart of praise, because when we get that straight in our hearts and lives, then even the chaos monsters can't take away our joy, right? They're going to come. I bet some of you are facing them right now. Um, how many of you are graduating seniors? Can I see your hands? Okay. We love you. We're going to miss you. You're going to miss us when you're gone. Um, and I'm sure you're wondering, am I going to get a job? Are any of these interviews going to come through? Uh, do I have to move back in with mom and dad? Um, or am I going to be able to make my own way? Um, questions that there are no answers to at this point, right? Um, some of you are looking at the increasing interest rates and wondering how that's going to affect your economic future. All of us are worried about the developments in Ukraine. Chaos monsters come in all shapes and all sizes, and they're always on the prowl. But the good news of the gospel is, we have a God that is at work in these circumstances. So first of all, verses uh, 3 to 8, 
Paul says, you need a heart of thanksgiving. Look how he begins. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always praying for joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Uh, that partnership, that koinonia, that fellowship that Paul had goes back to the very beginning of the church at Philippi. Uh, you remember in Acts 16, Paul shows up with Silas. They go down to the river. There's a prayer group. This is where they encounter Lydia, and she and her family are brought to faith in Christ, and she becomes one of the early leaders in that church. Um, they have the encounter with the slave girl with the python spirit, and she is delivered from this demonic spirit, and she is brought in as a daughter of grace. And then the Philippian jailer and his family are part of that early um, church plant that Paul and Silas leave in Philippi. And as that church grew, Paul stayed in touch with them. And even though he's in Rome and they're in Philippi, they are joined at the heart. Paul will say down in verse 8, God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul is just so grateful that he's not doing this Christian life alone, right? Beloved, are you grateful this morning for your brothers and sisters in this community? For those of you that are thinking of joining us next fall, let me tell you, it's the very best thing about covenant. Well, uh, in addition to the academics, right? From that first moment that you set foot during orientation and you become part of an O team and you make friends that you will know the rest of your life uh, to meeting your roommate and your hallmates and developing that identity as a group of believers that are united in following Jesus. Uh, to your teammates and lab partners and those that you come to know throughout the years in music ensembles and in theater productions and in every aspect of life together on Covenant and its campus, you find a community that will rejoice when you rejoice, that will grieve with you when you grieve, that will support you when you're weak and will rally around you when you're strong. Brothers and sisters, that will pursue Christ with you as iron sharpens iron. What a gift is that? And not only fellow students, but faculty and staff and coaches and trainers, the entire community of people that are praying for you by name and are invested in your uh, growth in Jesus Christ and in your training for your vocation. All of us living life together, I'll tell you there is no place I'd rather be and nothing I'd rather do than pursue this high calling in Jesus Christ with you. And we get to do that together. Paul says, are you grateful? And then he says, are you confident? He says, I'm sure of this, verse 6, he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul says, yeah, there may be chaos monsters out there, and they're going to shake things up on occasion, but this I'm certain of. The one who called you from before the foundation of the world, he's going to bring you safely home, and he's going to accomplish 
everything that he has planned for you. In Ephesians 2, um, verse 10, he's going to talk about God having good works that he's prepared in advance for each of us to do. And Paul says, I don't doubt this for a minute. Don't let the chaos monsters shake your confidence in what covenant alum Liz Cruzy has called um, the irrepressible faithfulness of God, right? It's, it's relentless that God's mercies are new every morning. And Paul says, I'm grateful and I'm confident. Are you confident in the Lord's plan? Not asking whether you hold to the reformed um, doctrines of grace, right? We, we have room for disagreement on that. Uh, we have good conversations about that. But I'm asking, are you confident that the one who gave his life for you is going to accomplish his purpose in you? Some of you are at a point in your academic career where you're wondering whether or not you're really called to medicine. First year biology, first year chemistry was not what you anticipated. And you're reevaluating God's plan for your life. Can you possibly trust that the dream he is dreaming for you is better than the dream you're dreaming for yourself, right? Uh, those of you graduating, can you trust that you don't have to know today what you're going to be doing September 1st? It would be nice, but you don't have to know. Can you be confident that God who has led you faithfully to this point in your life is going to bring you to the place of training, preparation, or service that he has planned for you to occupy. You see, it affects the way we deal with the chaos monsters. Francis Schaeffer said, the true test of whether I love God in this moment is whether I have a quiet heart giving thanks to God. Do we have quiet hearts giving thanks to God? Are we confident of his plan? Are we grateful for his blessings, particularly the blessing of Christian fellowship? That will make all the difference as we move out in the world. Um, heard last week from my wife's best friend down in Cape Town that, um, that our, our friend Matthew Courtney had been ordained uh, to the ministry of the Reformed Evangelical Anglican Church of South Africa. It's the PCA in Anglican disguise, right? They're, they're a great group. Um, and it's astonishing uh, because I've known Matthew his whole life. And, um, and, and you just never know, you know, how God's going to lead and, and what he's going to do. But it made me remember um, a story about when he was five years old. Uh, Matthew had uh, gone to bed reluctantly under protest and his parents were kind of listening at the door, and he was praying. He said, Dear Lord, you know the monster under my bed is beyond my control. Please deal with it as you deem best. And then he rolled over and went sound to sleep. <laughs> Beloved, that comes from a grateful heart that is confident in the purposes of God. Even the monsters under the bed, even the monsters under your bunk, are not going to throw you off. And then Paul says, we need a heart of praise. Verses 9 to 11. I prayed this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness 
that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul says he's praying for his brothers and sisters in Philippi that they would keep growing in that self-giving, self-sacrificial agape love that binds us together even when life is not going as we hoped it would. I'll tell you, one of my great privileges in the 16 years I've been here at the college was the past two years watching you love one another well during this unprecedented pandemic. When classes were awkward and we were masked and we were distanced, uh, some of you were joining virtually in hybrid classes, uh, when people were isolated and quarantined and someone needed to bring them food and other things that they needed, you have, under incredible pressure, loved one another so well. And Paul prays that the Philippian believers even as we pray for you as covenant believers, that you will keep on growing in that love that comes from being well-loved by Jesus, right? Um, and Paul says, I'm praying that you would grow in knowledge and discernment. You know the difference, right? Knowledge, they say, is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Discernment is not adding it to a fruit salad. It's that practical wisdom that knows how to take truth and apply it in concrete, specific situations. You're here at Covenant College pursuing not only growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, right? Colossians 2.7. You're pursuing Christ, but you're also pursuing the Lordship of Christ in every possible discipline. We have people studying biology and physics. I don't even know what Dr. Broussard's talking about half the time. Um, I walk into a room and, and um, the mathematicians are, are scrawling uh, calculus formula on the board and I have no clue. Uh, you go into Dr. Horn's class and he's talking about global terrorism or into Dr. Hecker's class and she's teaching you how to understand the dynamics of how language works and why it's interesting, and why you should become a Bible translator, right? Uh, and you go into a class with Dr. Madwayme, and he's wrestling with the relationship between biblical teaching and our understanding of sexuality, or of sin, or of science, right? He's a polymath. He's into all of these different areas of theological reflection. You get the opportunity to grow for four years in a way that will never come again. Grad school is great, but I'll tell you it's a grind, right? You're on a short schedule to get a lot learned, and there isn't time to sit around in the dorm and have long conversations. Uh, you don't get to linger over dinner in the great hall and talk about ideas or the book that you just read or the poem that you just wrote. You get to do that here under the guidance of older brothers and sisters who have been walking much, much longer with the Lord. You remember what Dr. Green said during Christian Mind, right? I don't want to teach you to think for yourselves. I want to teach you to think like me. We have a master apprentice model of education here where we invite you into the work that we're doing so that together we're growing in knowledge but also in discernment of how to apply that knowledge to pursue shalom in the world pursue 
transformation in our communities. And Paul says, I'm praying that this will happen in your life so that you may test and approve the things that matter. We want to give you a love for literature, uh, to, to read texts, to hold them in your hands, to wrestle with their ideas. We want to give you a passion for God's creation and for pursuing a scientific understanding of it. We want to take you deep into philosophical inquiry and investigation and teach you to read biblical text, not just with a curious heart, but with a heart that's devoted to Jesus, but seeking to be led and taught of the Spirit. In order that you will know as you go out from this place, wherever God in his providence sends you, that you will know what is best and that you'll give your lives to pursuing it, to doing justice, loving mercy, walking faithfully with our God. So that at the end of the day, you will be found pure and blameless, sincere, committed, walking as the Old Testament scholars around here would say, in the ways of the Lord, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's all about his glory, beloved, right? Jesus really is worthy uh, to receive the infinite reward of the travail of his soul, as the Moravians used to say. He needs to be glorified by the nations. And you and I are engaged on that great project. This fruit of righteousness that Paul talks about, uh, there's a lot of debate among New Testament uh, geeks about how to un understand that construction, fruit of righteousness, but all agree that it has an ethical orientation. It's about how we live in the world. It's about orthopraxy. Not just saying the right things, but living in the right way, and it points to the fruit of the Spirit in our lives being those who are gentle and patient and loving, who forgive because we've been forgiven, um, who love because we have been so well loved by Christ, who pursue one another relentlessly in fellowship and in service together for the glory and praise of God. And one of the great privileges of being faculty here is that we get to see what God's going to do in your life and where you're going to go. One of our 2014 graduates, um, you probably can't see her picture here, uh, but uh, it's uh, Bethany Joy Alms, uh, graduated, I think, in sociology. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but after graduation, she did some grad school, and then she decided uh, that she would pursue uh, service with Mission to the World in Nicaragua. And she moved down to the jungles of Nicaragua, where she taught a group of 20 teenage girls, and she began to conduct trauma clinics uh, to work with victims of trauma and abuse. Early 2018, she got a phone call from Atlanta saying, you need to get on a plane in the next hour. Doesn't matter where it's going, just get out of Nicaragua. Students were clashing with uh, government forces. Um, violence was happening. It had become way too dangerous for her to be there. She was there alone. The rest of the team was back in the States. And so Bethany left her bed unmade, left her dishes in the sink, handed her puppy off to a friend, and grabbing a backpack, headed for the airport. She thought she'd be gone two weeks. She was gone for an entire year before it was safe to go back. 
And I guarantee if it had been me, I would have thought long and hard before going back into a hard place. But you see, Bethany, uh, long ago when she was 13 years old, had felt like the Lord was asking her a question, are you willing to go to a hard place if I ask you to? And Bethany prayed, Lord, I want to be that person. Give me the strength to be that person. And so she went back. She was just back recently for a couple of months on a home assignment. Actually went back to Nicaragua last Saturday. Uh, flew to Costa Rica and then took a cab to the border, walked across the border and caught a lift to Managua where she is um, living and working now. But a few months ago she wrote this. She said, this year, more than ever, I'm grateful for this blessed hope that we celebrate. Not just a lighthearted hope for something better, but the profound hope that Jesus came to give us. Hope for each day as he's gone before us and never leaves us. Hope that one day he will end all the pain and sadness forever. A sureness that his love will never forsake us and is working for our good and his glory. I pray you too will be filled with this hope and be comforted by his presence. May his joy fill you and refresh you all. Beloved, that's the prayer of someone who is grateful and confident in the Lord's purpose and someone who wants with their life to give him praise. And I'll tell you something, when chaos monsters are confronted with a heart like that, they scatter. Let's pray. Father God, I don't know what my brothers and sisters are battling. I can guess. For some of them, I have a better idea, but I know this. Jesus is mighty. Jesus is loving. He is relentlessly seeking their good. Would you give them a heart that is grateful for all the blessings of our fellowship and the opportunities that we have to pursue the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ together in this place? And would you cause them to continue to grow in love and in knowledge and wisdom and in the fruit of righteousness that the world might know that Jesus is on the throne. Father, we pray this for his glory and in his name. Amen.